let's jump into Scripture. Let's talk about the last of our series um, today where we're looking at Jesus' I Am statements. Um, and so to do so, we're going to look at John 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. And this is where Jesus says that He is the vine. Now, let me throw out a congregational question real quick. How many of you uh, do any gardening? Gardening? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah? Sage? Uh, anybody want to tell, tell me what you garden? Okay. Okay. You garden weeds? I think, I think yeah. I think anybody else? You do the weeds as well? Now, is this you're planting something and weeds come up? or I'm just like encouraging the weeds to grow. They get a chance too, just because they're not pretty. Like, they deserve a lot. We're prejudiced against weeds. Yeah, like, I, I got you. I understand. <laughs> Roundup and, oh, yeah, I understand. You should start. This, this could be a movement. You should start. Uh, so so here's, here's my gardening. I, uh, I have a black thumb. Um, if I plant something, I guarantee you it will it will die. Okay, um, and so this spring and summer, my family and I we planted a whole bunch of stuff. All right, we plant, planted three types of watermelon, uh, cantaloupe, tomatoes, strawberries. I planted two different apple trees, a, a a pink lady and a Fuji, because those are that's what we eat, right? And I'm I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to save some money because these trees are going to produce. Um, and then I planted a banana tree and a couple of blackberry bushes. Um, the problem is the only thing that actually produced anything was the strawberries. Now, uh, throw that picture up there. Those are all, you can see the elephant ears. Get those out of the way. But uh, right there, you've got the, the little leaf here. Those actually produce strawberries. Now, on those, I cheated because I actually bought them where they were starting to fruit already and put them in the ground. So those don't count. Um, everything else, nothing. I mean, nothing. The blackberry bushes, okay, that's what I have of a blackberry bush. It, it did nothing. I put it in the ground. I mean, it's sad. It was like I touched it, and it went, ah, and died, right? So it's gone. The cantaloupe never even came up. The apple trees and the banana tree, they're going to take years, apparently, to start producing you can see, these are my two apple trees and the banana tree in the, in the back there. You know, they, they said that the banana tree should have, like, shot up and started going everywhere. It didn't do a thing. I mean, it's just, it, it grew a couple of leaves, right? Um, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty, pretty rough about, about all that. And then the watermelon shot up. Now, it shot, they all, like, budded when they were supposed to, and then they just stopped. Right, the watermelon. Um, but then last month, I mean, this, this, this vine just started going like crazy. Uh, by the way, we just totally gave up because we got frustrated. You can see, you can see the, the vine just kind of wandering around there. If you can, We quit weeding and doing the elephant ears and all that. And I've got a few p tomato plants, and they grew like crazy. The problem is they took over, these watermelons and the, and the tomatoes, but they never fruited. Nothing. In fact, my neighbor, who he, he took a tree, dug in the ground with his finger, put a seed in, and it's this enormous thing in his front yard now, right? I can't do that. But he walks over and he said, oh, there's a flower there. It's gonna, it'll produce fruit. 
nothing. Not a thing. I am the worst farmer ever. Now, I don't think so because here's, here's the thing. The only thing that separates my yard and my neighbor's yard who grows anything is a driveway. That's it. It's the same soil. I, I, no, 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 no. No, there's a, there's a barrier there. I'm telling you. And you would think if I got run off from a graveyard, that would make it grow. All right, that's kind of gross. All right, so never mind. All right. Zombie, zombie tomato plants. All right, so, so here's the thing. Um, we're going to jump into Scripture, and we're going to talk about the vine. And, and I wanted to show this to you to say, I can't grow plants, okay? But I can look at Jesus and get an amazing example of what it means to be the vine and the branches. So before we jump into this Scripture, let me, uh, let me set up the location for you here. Jesus and his disciples, they are in an upstairs room. Uh, where they have just had the Last Supper. So this is, you know, very uh, shortly before he is about to be uh, taken and and crucified and uh, buried, and then his resurrection occurs. Um, But they're in this upper room, and Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet, and he has just told them that Judas is about to betray them. And so Judas runs out, but Jesus continues on comforting his disciples. And he continues on and tells them about the Holy Spirit and how he's going to come in and he's going to be the comforter and the guider and the counselor. And then he gives them this example about the vine. Okay, verse one, it says, I he says, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So he sets up this example, okay, that he's about to to give here. And there's actually going to be three uh, players in this story. The third is going to come in uh, verses 3 and 5. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does, that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, I don't know if you've ever been out to a vineyard, um, but they do an excellent job of explaining and showing how to prune fruit. Okay, um, First, if... if um, it's the fruiting season, okay? What they'll do is they'll go through the whole vineyard and they'll just start chopping off little plants. Go ahead and show that first picture. So he's just chopping off these little, uh, little vines and these little branches that don't produce fruit. Maybe they look a little withered. Uh, and they're taking those things off. And then uh, at the end of the fruiting season, they actually cut it back so much that you think there's no way that anything can can come back. Go to that next one. Here's what it looks like at the end of the fruiting season. I mean, you look at that and you think, that thing is dead, right? But that's what they do. I mean, they chop it back all the way, almost to the root. And see, what happens is that the next year, it grows back stronger. And during the season, when they cut off those, those branches that, that are looking a little bad, withered, it makes the other fruit grow bigger. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you may, you may immediately go in your mind to, uh, you know, the fact that, oh, God is, is going to send away those who are not Christian or, or how God prunes away our sin to make us more like him. But the context is, is not that here. Here, Jesus is the vine, 
and the father is pruning the vine. Okay? Now, I hope you have that, the same question that I had when I first read it, and I, I kind of read and stop and think and read and stop and think. How, how do you prune Jesus? Right? That, that doesn't make any sense. Je, Jesus is completely perfect, right? So you, you, he's following him. He's following the Father. How can you prune Jesus to be more fruitful if he's following him completely, you know? And how can you cut off branches that are worthless if Jesus is perfectly following him? So if it seems to be a little confusing to you right now, imagine what it was like for the disciples when he says this, right? I am the vine, and my father will prune me and, 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 cut, and cut off. And, what? Hey, whoa, slow down. Verse 3. <clears throat> you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So he gives a little hint here. God isn't cutting off branches and pruning Jesus to make him more like the Father. As believers, we are part of the vine. Okay, And when you first begin following Christ and repenting and seeking Him, then you are clean, as Jesus puts it. But, verse 4, Remain in Me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Me. Now, if you stop remaining in Jesus, what does that mean? Following Jesus, spending time with Jesus in prayer and His Word, spending time with other followers of Christ, obeying Jesus' Word when He's speaking to your heart. If you stop remaining in Jesus, you can be pruned off. Now, for those of you that may have grown up in American culture, and you've heard of once saved, always saved, and I've... I've, I've expressed to you we believe in once saved always saved here but maybe with a little twist um, that mentality and that phrasing is built within our culture okay the american culture jesus's jewish culture didn't think like that they didn't think once saved always saved as we think of one moment in my life always saved Okay, that's kind of the way we, we think in American culture. And the most simplistic way I can explain it is that the way they thought was you, you pick something to follow and you followed it for life. It wasn't, it wasn't a, oh, I'm going to make this commitment and then I'm going to go through my life and waffle and not really do it. It was you owned something and you did it. You aligned yourself and committed yourself and you, you didn't waver. Not that they didn't sin, okay, we need to understand that. But they followed it and everyone knew it. Now we'll talk, we'll talk more about this in a few verses. And uh, so if it's a little cloudy now, we'll, we'll come back to it, okay? Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. So, so here Jesus said, kind of opens, the, pulls back the full curtain and says, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you're part of me, Okay? So here we, we find out for sure who this third person is. That's us. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I think that this is an amazing verse. Because the God of the universe, who is community in and of himself, 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, decided at some point that he wanted community with us, with me and with you. That, that blows my mind. Like, why? You know, I'm, you, he knows my heart, right? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, right? And so we're talking about the branches here. We are part of the vine. And Paul talks about this in Romans 11, 19 through 21. And he talks about how we are grafted in, okay? Romans 11, verse 19 and through 21, it says, You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if, you did not, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Now let me explain what this is talking about. This is talking about the nation of Israel. And, and Paul is saying, listen, Israel had all of the benefits of God. Every one of them. And some of them just shunned him. Just said, you know what? I'm part of Israel. I'm good. I know that I'm saved. Very arrogant about it, too. And so God says, you know what? No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. I can cut this branch off. And I can graft other branches in. Now, without Jesus, nothing is accomplished that is of any worth. Maybe for yourself. And I'm not saying you're schooling or, or anything like that. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I'm talking, you look back on your life and you say, what happened? What did my life do? What did my life accomplish? Without Jesus, nothing is accomplished. With Jesus, remaining in Jesus, you are incredibly fruitful. But you have to be grafted in. Now, let me show you a video real quick. And I want to explain to you what how easy it is to be grafted in. Go ahead and run that. So right here, we've got a guy in India. He's taking a mango plant, and he, he just cut off a branch, and he trimmed it at the top. And what he's going to do is he's going he's gonna to slice it down. And I know, it, like, I thought he was going to slice his finger. And he's going to make a point, a flat point at the end. Now watch this. There it is, right there. And then he's going to take his knife. He's going to cut into the, to the main plant. Very easily, he makes one cut, and then he makes one long cut. And you see the thing sticking out? He sticks the, sticks the graft in. He takes a piece of plastic. He rolls it up. And after a few weeks, that plant and that graft are one. It really is that easy. Now, if I do that, <laughs> no, that's not going to work. I'll kill it. I don't know how I kill it, but I'll kill it. But it really is that easy. So he's taken a mango plant and he's grafted it together. You can do that with any plant. I saw, I saw on YouTube a guy did a, a tomato and a potato plant, right? And they were both making the different fruits. Crazy. You can do it with trees. You can do it with, with anything. It's really amazing. It's not hard. And it's not hard for your heavenly father to graft you in to his family as well. Because all you have to do is talk to him and say, God, I want to live for you. I want to follow you. But the only way God knows you 
is if you talk to him. If you share your life with him, you spend time with him. That's what it means to be grafted in and attached to the vine. Verse, verse 6, back in uh, John 15. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. All right, so let's go back to this once saved, always saved statement. This is true for Jesus' culture because it meant once saved, always following. And that's kind of the, the mantra that our church takes up more than the once saved, always saved kind of thing. But for our culture, we have to understand that if you're not following, you may just be a believer. And I know, let me not confuse you here. I know in church culture, we refer to believers as Christians. That's not the way I'm referring to it here. You may just be a believer. You might have said the prayer or done the thing or you thought you, you had the golden ticket that got you into heaven, but your life never changed. Or maybe it changed just enough you know, that you changed it. But the Holy Spirit did not have any power in your heart because you didn't let him in. It's, if that's the case, then Scripture says that you are never a follower. You may have believed that God exists, but that doesn't mean that you have a relationship with Jesus. Is everybody following me? Everybody understanding? I don't want to confuse this because this is one of the most important aspects that we have to understand if we want a relationship with Jesus. Believing something doesn't mean squat. Right? I believe that Mark Wahlberg exists, right? The good looking guy that he is, right? But I don't have a relationship with him. I believe that the president exists, the good looking guy that he is. But I don't have a relationship with him, right? We can believe that God exists and never have a relationship with him. If you do not remain in Jesus, and Scripture says, he says you will be discarded because you are a believer, but not a follower. <clears throat> Here's what happens. This is what happens to your life. This is part of my tomato plant. This is what happens to your life without Jesus. You become withered. This is useless. This has no purpose. It doesn't even, I can't even smell the tomato plant smell. Y'all ever know that smell? Everybody, It's gone. I cut this off yesterday because it was starting to wither. Still smell good. It's no good anymore. The only good that it would do would be to throw it into the fire. And that's what Jesus says. What good is it to the, to the plant, to the vine, to the tree now? Verse 7. <clears throat> if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. So if we follow Christ, and here's the, here's the amazing statement here, and his words remain in you, right? That's big. That's huge. Because it, this right here, these are words of life. I mean, you read this, and, and there's something that the Holy Spirit does through this in you, and it just makes you a different person. 
You have to act on it. You have your part to play. But it makes you into the person that God wants you to be. Now, we often think that well, if I go to church and, and you know, I'll get all the spiritual nourishment there. That's not the case, right? I got bad days sometimes when I'm preaching. <laughs> Y'all know, right? Y'all go home and you're, uh, you're eating lunch. And you're like, I don't know what's going on with Jay. That happens. But here's what Jesus means. If you can recall Scripture in your mind when something occurs throughout the day, right? Something that, that Jesus said, or, or Paul said, or, or Peter said, or Moses said. If you can recall that through various encounters and situations throughout your day, that's what it rem- means that His words remain in you. But if Scripture doesn't pop up in your head, okay, it means you can read more Scripture. You can spend more time with Him. If you do walk through your day like that, you're going to find that you are in line with His will. And notice what it says here in verse 7. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Right? The last time I, we, were, we were driving to church today, and a Ferrari comes up on us. Now, I'm a car guy. I love cars. I will never own anything like a Ferrari. But every time one comes by, I do kind of go, man, I wish I had one of those, right? I mean, you, you know, the new Corvettes, oh, they are beautiful. This is, this is totally American materialism in me. I understand. We've got, we've got two cars that are both over 10 years old, I think, now. You know, so we'll never have one. But this, Maser- this uh, Lamborghini comes by. It's gunmetal gray. It's got red interior. It's a convertible right? And this guy is an older gentleman. His hair's just going, and I'm just like, oh, that's nice. And I mean, he just goes, you know, as he flies by us. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, wow, that's a pretty car. But here's the thing. I'm not going to ask for that, because I know that that is not part of God's will for my life. It's not. What would I do with a, a, a Lamborghini? You know, how is that going to benefit the kingdom of heaven? It wouldn't in my life. Maybe in Bill Gates' life, you know, or something like that, but not in mine. Not in mine. Now, here's the thing. Nothing against anybody that owns a Lamborghini or Maserati, but for me, I know that that wouldn't benefit the kingdom of God. As I'm following Christ, as I'm following Christ, I... I will ask for things that will be in line with His will. That's the way it works. And those things will be done for you because they're in line with His will. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's not for your glory, right? If I got a Lamborghini... That would be my glory, right? I'd come to your house and say, I just wanted to stop by, say hi, see, oh yeah, I got a new car. You know, that's my glory, right? It's not God's glory. If it was for your glory, it won't be done. That's, that's why I don't have a Lamborghini right there, right? It is to point towards Jesus and point towards the cross, and point towards the resurrection, and point towards the forgiveness of sins, and, and to actually feel your shame taken away. And it's to point to our redemption and the grafting of ourselves into a holy family. That's what it means to be a, a follower, a disciple 
of Christ. God wants us to bear fruit for his kingdom. And the only way to do that is by following him, by being his disciples, and by having his word in our hearts and in our minds. Now let me close by reminding you of the context here. Jesus is comforting his disciples, his followers, right? And as his followers, we should be comforted by this too. When you follow Jesus, you are part of the vine. He is the vine. You are the branches. We are to remain daily in him. As a branch, you are Jesus' hands and feet. You are actually Jesus to your neighbor or your co-worker or, or that person who doesn't know him. They see Jesus in you. And as part of the vine, you are part of God's kingdom. You have been adopted in, grafted into his kingdom. And so we need to understand something. This is the hope that we have as followers. This is what we have to look towards. The whole kingdom at our disposal, not in a selfish way, but at our disposal, the power of God moving through us, through the Holy Spirit, and watching God do His work. That's what it means to be grafted in. That's what it means to be a follower. And we can be so at peace with that, with that statement, with that understanding. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter how bad work gets or how intense it is or, or stressful it is, here's what you need to know. You're part of the vine. You're a branch. And as you follow him, you're going to bear fruit and people are going to see Jesus in you. That's comforting. That's an amazing thought. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that we are branches and we are attached to you. Father, through your Holy Spirit, we have a direct connection with you. And so, Father, I pray that you will speak to each person for each situation, for each of our lives. Give us comfort in knowing that you are with us. Lord, we know that in this moment in Scripture, you are about to be crucified, that your disciples were about to abandon you, and yet you wanted to comfort them. No matter where we're at, no matter what low we might be at in our lives, comfort us, God. Help us to know and understand we are part of your kingdom. We have been grafted in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.